Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? I want to thank Amy. That was the best introduction I think I've ever had. No, I am really glad to be here with you guys. I hope you're just as glad to have me. Uh, I got to thinking the other day, and I'm getting old. May not look it, but uh, as I got to thinking, we're coming up on my 10-year class reunion, and I think back to when I was a senior. And I don't know if seniors these days face the same thing, but when I was a kid, there was this disease called senioritis that went around. Uh, some of you in this room may have had that disease. But I was reading a story, I think it was on Facebook or somewhere, about these four seniors that had a real bad case of this senioritis. And every morning, uh, they would skip school, and they wouldn't go to class, and uh, they did this just about every morning. And they'd always plan it to where they showed up to school right about lunchtime. They'd go do whatever they wanted in the morning, then they'd go eat lunch at school and go to the rest of their classes. Well, one morning they did this, and they showed up a little later than usual, and they showed up in the middle of class. And they walked in and they gave the, the teacher some excuse. They had said, well, we were all riding to school together this morning and we had a flat tire. And she said, no worries, that, that happens. It's, it's understandable. It's okay. Just go ahead and sit down. She said, but we are about to take a test. She said, so all of you get out a piece of paper and a pen and no cheating, no talking to each other. She said, there's just one question on this test. Now, the question is, what tire went flat on your way to school? They had been caught. There was no way all of them were about to write down the same tire. They had been caught lying. But in reality, I tell that story, hopefully to get a couple of giggles. It's a funny story. But in reality, we lie a lot, don't we? You could say yes. You could, you're lying right now if you say no. We lie a lot. Uh, we do. It's just something that we do in our world. We deal with a lot of lies. Whether we're telling them or we're hearing them, we're dealing with lies every day. Amen? Every day we're dealing with lies. There was an article, and this really caught me by surprise when I first saw it. The more I think about it, though, I think maybe it's accurate. But there was a, an article, there was a report in the USA Today by a guy named Gerald Ellison. And he said, each of us lies 50 times a day. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? You're thinking there's no way, but when you start thinking about all of your interactions that you have during the day and all the people that you say, I'm fine or I'm doing good or, or, or all the lies you tell, we lie a lot. He went on to explain that we often lie about our income, our age, and our accomplishments, among other things. He said that we often use lies as a way to escape embarrassment. He went on to list some of the lies that he found most common. One was, I wasn't feeling well. How many of us have used that lie? Or lied to say we're not feeling well to get out of something. Texted your boss or called your boss, hey, I'm not feeling well today. I'm not going to come into work so that you could uh, watch that show on the TV. Uh, another uh, lie was, I put that check in the mail. How many of us have told that lie before? Or here was one that really was kind of convicting when I read it. I was only joking. How many times do we say that and we don't really mean it? 
So, you know, the more that we think about it, this 50 laws a day, maybe it's accurate. We lie a lot. So much so that I forget who it was, but there was a psychologist that I read who said lying is so critical to our social interaction that kids who don't know how to lie may have developmental issues. Think about that for a minute. Our interactions we have with each other on a daily basis are so based off of lies or misconceptions that we have to make sure we know how to do it. It's crazy. Lying is all over the place and we have to deal with it all the time. But here's one thing I like to always point out when I'm preaching. Because sometimes we talk about problems and we talk about how big problems are and lying is a big problem. And we try to act like it's a new problem. We try to act like, yeah, well, today our world lies so much. It wasn't like the good old days when we never lied. Can I just tell you that lying has been a problem since the father of lies showed up in the garden? Amen? Lies have been around since sin has been around, which is since Genesis 3. We have been dealing with this problem. Deceit and manipulations and lies have been a problem ever since that devil showed up in the garden and started lying to us. We've been dealing with this issue. Lying is just such a part of who we are as broken sinners in a fallen world. It's just something that we deal with. And this morning, I want to look at the biography of a man in scriptures who was a very flawed man. A man who had a lot of issues. One of which was that I think he was a pretty massive liar. Uh, There's a gentleman in scripture in the Old Testament who I want to introduce you to. You probably already know him. He's known a lot of times as a mess up and a liar, but he's also known as a hero of our faith. He's known as this superhero character, the first real Superman, if you will. And a lot of times that's how we talk about him. But I want us to point out the sin and the lies in his story. His story starts with lies. And granted, there are times where he does some amazing stuff. But I think when you actually look at his biography in the book of Judges, and that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles or devices, you can go ahead and turn or tap to Judges. But I think you see that in his story there, he deals with the sins that Paul speaks of in Colossians 3. In his most famous story, he deals with wrath and anger and lies. Have you guys figured out who we're talking about yet this morning? This morning, I want to look at Samson's life. We all know who Samson is, right? Or at least have an idea of who Samson is and and what he's done. Uh, But this morning, I want us to look a little more in depth at one of his most famous stories. Judges chapter 16 is, is where we're going to be at. But in order for you to understand what happens in Judges chapter 15, let me summarize what's happened up to this point. Let me tell you a little bit of background about who Samson is. Because Samson is a passionate man. I don't know if you know that about him, but he's a passionate man. And his story starts early on with him walking and and seeing this woman that he really just wants to marry. He just passionately falls in love with her and has to have her. The problem is he's not supposed to. The problem is she's a Philistine and, and God had specifically told them not to marry the Philistines. Samson didn't care. He was passionately in love with this woman and, and wanted to marry her. So he did. They, they got married. The problem is his wife betrayed him. She betrayed him to his enemies. And so he decided to leave. 
So, so in Judges, at chapter 14, his wife betrays him and he leaves. But then, after some time away, he decides he wants to go and make up with his wife. He wants to go back. And, and so passionate Samson goes back to try to make things better with his wife. And do you know what he finds when he does that? His wife is now married to his best friend. It's a crazy story. I promise you, if you want something to read this week, read Judges 14, 15, and 16. It's better than spending an hour watching The Bachelor. This is some crazy stuff. Some, some interesting stuff. Passionate Samson goes back to his wife just to find out that now she's with his best friend. So then at the beginning of Judges 16, it tells us that Samson finds another woman. This time it's a prostitute. But passionate Samson, still lonely, finds some comfort in her arms. Uh, But that only lasts a little while. And then we get to Judges 16 where Samson falls in love again. This time with a woman that you may have heard of. A woman named Delilah. Surely you've heard of Samson and Delilah and their story, but I want you to understand their relationship. Samson is lonely and betrayed and had some bad luck, and then he finds Delilah. And I don't know, Scriptures don't tell us, but but I have to think that Samson is probably at a point where he's ready to give up on love, he's ready to give up on women, and then he finds Delilah. And, And from what I can tell, it seems like for the most part, they actually probably have a pretty good relationship. And there's actually a lot going on here. It's one of the more interesting relationships in the Bible to me. But it's during this relationship with Delilah that we see Samson lie over and over and over again. The story I want us to look at this morning is found in Judges 16. And I want to look here at how Samson keeps lying to Delilah. As we read through this story, we're going to read about 20 verses together here. And I know that's quite a bit. I want to give you a job to do as we read through this. As we read through this together, see if you can count how many times Samson lies to Delilah. Can y'all do that? See if we can come up with a number of times, how many times he lies. Judges 16, starting in verse 4. It says, sometimes later, he, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sirach, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him in to showing you the secret of his great strength and how he can, how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength. How can you be tied up and subdued? Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistine brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and they tied him with them. With uh, men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come on, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. 
But he snapped the ropes off of his arm as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me, how can you be tied? He replied, well, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into fabric and tightened it with the pin. She called to him again, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep. He pulled the pin in the loom with the fabric and she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't even confide in me? This is the third time that you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent back word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He's told me everything. You think they really believe her at this point? Uh, Come back. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. His strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not. The Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, binding him with bronze shackles, so they set him to grinding grain in the prison. What a story. I'm telling you guys, this is some crazy stuff going on. Let me ask you, did you count how many times Samson lied to Delilah? Anybody? Three times. Let's go over together the, the, the three laws. Law number one is, comes in verse 7. It says, you can tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings and make me weak. Law number two comes in verse 11. You can tie me with new ropes and make me weak. Law number three comes in verse 13 where he says, if you weave my hair into fabric and tighten it, then I'll be weak. So there are three laws that Samson told Delilah. The three times there that he's already lied. Uh, But this morning, I want to tell you something. There's actually a fourth lie. And you may not have caught it, but I think that in this story, there is a fourth lie. And that fourth lie is what I want to talk about this morning. Look at what Samson said in verse 16. I'm sorry, 17. Because I think verse 17 is the fourth lie Samson tells. He says, if my head were shaved my strength would leave me. Now you're saying, hold up. That's when he's telling the truth. Seems like it. But I think if we do a little bit of further investigating this morning, even though it seems like this is when Samson's telling the truth, it seems like this is when he's finally given in to the nagging pressure of Delilah and just tells her the truth. I think we see that Samson really isn't being that honest. I'm not too sure that he's telling the truth, and I'm not too sure that Samson even believed what he was saying. See, what Samson was saying to Delilah was that this Nazarite vow that he had since birth was the secret to his strength. 
Now, this Nazarite vow, it prevents you from doing three things. Uh, at least some people added more to it, but, but at least three things. No drinking wine, no going near anything dead, and no cutting your hair. Samson was under the impression that keeping this Nazarite vow was the secret to his strength, or so it would seem. Often when we tell the story in, in Sunday school classes and, and vacation Bible school, we tell it as Samson was empowered by his Nazarite vow and by keeping it. I'm not so sure that's the case. Why? Why do I think that? Well, because I've read Samson's story. And if you've read Samson's story, you've seen too that that may not be the case. Because when you read through Samson's story, at least, at least six other documented times, Samson broke his Nazarite vow. He probably did it more than that, and it just didn't get recorded in Scripture. But at least six times, we know for a fact, Samson broke his vow. But guess what? He still had his strength. So just like before we even get to Judges chapter 16, before Samson even meets Delilah, he's broken his Nazarite vow multiple times and never lost his strength. Early in Judges chapter 14, Samson killed and then touched the body of a dead lion. Well, what's that do? It breaks his Nazarite vow. But he kept his strength. Later in, in Judges 14, Samson touched the body of 30 dead men. This was after his wedding. He, he goes and kills 30 men and, and then takes their clothes. What's that doing? Again, breaking his vow. Yet he keeps his strength. In Judges 15, Samson famously kills a thousand men who were out to get him. In this story, do you remember what Samson uses to kill a thousand men? The jawbone of a donkey. Well, how do you think Samson got the jawbone of a donkey? Had to come from a dead donkey. He probably killed the donkey himself and then pulled the jawbone out. But nonetheless, he, he has a dead donkey that he's touching, which is breaking his vow. Yet his strength stays with him. We could keep going and pointing at times, but, but the point is Samson broke his vow and kept his strength. So like, why would Samson think this would be any different? He knows his past. He knows that he's broken his vow and kept his strength. So why in his head would he think, well, this time if I break my vow, I'm really going to lose my strength. He doesn't think that. You know that even in the story. Every time he's told Delilah the secret to his strength or the supposed secret to his strength, what does she do? She uses it against him. Well, same thing when he, when he goes, when, when he has his hair cut, what does it say he thinks he's going to do? It says he thinks he's going to wake up and break free again. He knows good and well his hair is going to be gone, but he still thinks that he is going to have his strength. He doesn't think he's going to lose his strength just because he lost his hair this time. Why would this be any different than the times he's broken his vow before? Again, I think this is actually law number four because I don't think Samson believed it to be true, but I don't buy it either. Put it this way, if I were to tell you that the power to this church building came from that big power line that runs to the building outside, you'd probably believe me when I said that. But then, if I go outside and I cut that power line and the lights stay on, you'd probably start doubting that that was the truth, right? You'd think, well, maybe the power's coming from somewhere else. If six Sundays in a row... You saw me outside cut that power line, but we always had power in this church building. You would start to think, well, that, that power line isn't where the power is coming from. 
And so if you showed up the seventh Sunday and you saw me out there about to cut the power line, would you even think twice about it? Would you think, oh, well, the first six Sundays we didn't lose power, but this time, Cody, don't do it. We're going to lose power. No. Because you would know that the power obviously has to be coming from somewhere else. And that's what Samson thought. Samson thought, I've, I've broken my vow six times. Nothing ever happened. Why is it going to be different this time if I break my vow? Because Samson thought, here's what Samson thought. He thought he was strong. And that was that. He thought there was no external source of his power. It wasn't from the Nazarite vow. It was just because he was a strong dude. Samson believed he was strong enough. That wasn't the case. Samson had lied not only to Delilah, but to himself. He had told Delilah the secret to his strength was his hair, and that was the lie, but he had also lied to himself because he had told himself that he was the secret to his own strength. When really in Scripture, if you look at every other time he broke his vow, you know what Scripture tells us every time? The Spirit of the Lord empowered him. Uh, When he killed 30 men, it said the Spirit of the Lord empowered him. Uh, When he killed uh, the thousand, it said the Spirit of the Lord empowered him. Uh, uh, Every time he had broken his vow but kept his power, it said the Spirit of the Lord had empowered him. Can I tell you this morning, the secret to Samson's strength wasn't his hair. It was God. Amen? But see, Samson didn't believe that either. He thought the power lied in his self. He thought he was strong enough. He had lied not just three times and not just to Delilah, but for a lifetime, Samson had been lying to himself about his own power. He thought he was strong enough and nothing could defeat him. Now church, that's the lie Samson told himself. Let me ask you a question. What lie are you telling yourself? You knew this was going to turn around on you, didn't you? What lie have you been telling yourself? Let's think about it for a minute. Samson told himself that he was strong enough, that he was good enough, that that his strength didn't come from God, it came from himself. How often do we tell ourselves that same lie? How often do we think we're good enough? How often do we think we're strong enough? How often do we think that we're powerful enough that we have enough strength in ourselves i saw something on facebook this week and it it really caught my attention i don't remember who posted it hopefully it was none of you Uh, but someone posted on facebook and they said you are good enough and i saw that and i just thought that's so not true it sounds good we want to believe it i think that's why we believe it because we want to but but we're not And before I even had a chance, someone had already went to the comment section and corrected it. Someone had said, uh, you know, Jesus died for the simple fact of you aren't good enough. And so for us to sit here and say that we're good enough, that we're strong enough, then what do we need Jesus for? Church, what are we doing here? Why are we here today if we're good enough and we're strong enough and we don't need help and, and we don't need Jesus and we don't need the cross? If we have enough strength and enough righteousness, why are we here? We're here because we're not good enough. We're here because we're not strong enough. But we lie to ourselves. We try to act like we are. We try to say we can handle everything. We try to say we're strong enough. or, Or we lie and we say God will never give us more than we can handle. That's just not true. It's just not what Jesus says. 
We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. And we can't handle everything on our own. And with our own strength. Our power does not come from ourselves. Like Samson thought it did. We say, well, we're good people. We tell ourselves that we're good enough and and that we're strong enough. And sometimes uh, we get carried away and we may even tell ourselves that we think we're good enough and strong enough to get to heaven by ourselves. We don't need no help. There was a preacher that went into a barbershop to get a haircut. and, And when he was there, he kept thinking he wanted to talk to the barber about Jesus. But he said he never got a word in edgewise. The barber just kept talking. And he said, finally, when his haircut was done, he looked and he noticed that the barber had this real long and shaggy hair and the barber needed a haircut. And so he said to the barber, he said, you need a haircut. He said, yeah, no, I haven't had the time. The preacher looked at him and said, well, there's no one else waiting for a haircut. He said, sit down, I'll give you a haircut. Don't worry about it. And the barber just kind of looked at him and laughed and said, no, I don't think so. He said, well, why not? He said, well, because I, 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 you're not, you don't know what you're doing. He said, no, I promise you, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. And he said, I, even if you do your best, it's not going to be good enough. Well, the preacher looked at him and said, yeah. He said, that's right. Our best isn't good enough. See, he had previously had a conversation with this barber the last time and he had asked the barber, he said, do you think you're a good person? The barber said, yeah. He said, do you believe in God? He said, yeah. He said, do you think you're going to heaven? He said, well, I'm a good person. I think I'm going to go to heaven. The barber said, see, or I'm sorry, the preacher said, see, just because you try your best, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough uh, to cut my hair if you don't know how, even if you try your best. And you're not going to be good enough to get to heaven if you don't accept Jesus, even if you try your best. You're just not strong enough. You're just not good enough. We tell ourselves we are. We tell ourselves we're strong enough or that we're good enough. But the reality is Jesus came to die for us because we aren't good enough. Because we aren't strong enough. Because we can't handle this sinful world on our own. We lie and we say that we can, but we can't. And I think the lie that we tell ourselves is very similar to the lie that Samson told himself. Church, do you know where it got Samson? You know how his story ends? He was captured. His eyes ripped out. He was thrown into prison. He was tortured. All because he had believed the lie that he was strong enough. And church, I want to warn you that it's a very dangerous lie to believe that you're strong enough or that you're good enough. Because when you believe that you are strong enough, you believe that you don't need Jesus' help. And I'm here to tell you that you do. Judges chapter 16, look at the end of this story. Look at what happened to Samson. It said, Now the rulers of the Philistine assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who laid waste to our land and multiplied our slain, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and 
On the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rollers with all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. What a tragic ending to such a crazy story. But in the end, Samson did stop lying to himself, didn't he? Did you realize that? He recognized that God was the source of his power. He cried out to God. He said, once more, will you strengthen me? He finally realized that it had been God strengthening him the whole time. It took a lot for Samson to realize that. It took a lot for Samson to realize that he was broken and that he was weak. It took a lot of bad things in Samson's life for him to realize that he needed God's strength. For so long, he had bought into this lie that he was strong enough. My fear this morning is that a lot of us in this room may have bought into that same lie. The lie that we're good enough and we're strong enough. And my prayer this morning is that it doesn't take the dramatic rock bottom it took Samson for us to realize that we're not good enough and that we're not strong enough and to cry out to God to strengthen us. This morning, we may need to rethink the lies that we've been telling us. This morning, I want us to spiritually get to the place where Samson ended up without physically having to go to the place that Samson did. Uh, That's my hope for us this morning. Because it took him going to prison and being tortured to realize he was weak and needed God's strength. And I just want us to come to that same realization this morning without going to those dark places. This morning, Jesus tells us that we're not good enough. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, you'll never be good enough for heaven. Because the the Pharisees and the scribes, they followed the laws. Now, don't get me wrong. The Pharisees and the scribes, they did a lot wrong. But when it came to keeping the rules, they did that well. Uh, they, they fasted, they prayed daily, they tithed what they were supposed to, like they followed the rules. That was what they prided themselves on. And Jesus here in Matthew 5 is saying, unless you do stuff better than they do it, you're not good enough for heaven. Basically what he's saying is no matter how good you do, no matter how many rules you follow, you're not good enough to get into heaven. This morning we need to rethink this lie that we are good enough or that we're strong enough. We don't need to say that anymore, but here's what we can say instead. And here's the gospel story. We're not good enough, but He is good enough. Amen? We're not strong enough, but He's strong enough. We can't do it, but He can. And that's the gospel news. Now, let me tell you something this morning. and Write this down if you're a note taker. You aren't good enough to save yourself. But you aren't so bad that Jesus can't save you. Amen? You aren't and never will be good enough to save yourself, but you'll also never be too bad where Jesus can't save you. You can't save yourself, but He can. He can make you strong. He can strengthen you this morning. This morning you can be strong, but not because of your own strength inside of you, but because of Jesus' strength. Hear me out. 
How many of you have ever collected baseball cards? Seems like kind of a dying hobby. You know, one or two maybe of you. But you know, baseball cards, they can be worth a lot of money. Some of them collectible cards. Now, of course, depending on whose face is on it, it depends on its value. Babe Ruth or, or Pete Rose cards, they're pretty expensive. Some others, not so much. Well, I, I was learning about this Future Stars baseball card that's worth over $100. Now, in baseball cards, that's not a whole ton, but it's a good little chunk of change. It's, it's worth over $100. And this Future Stars card has the picture of three up-and-coming baseball players at the time. The first was Jeff Snyder. Jeff Snyder only ended up playing one year of baseball, and he pitched a total of 11 games. Not very famous or very good. The second guy on this card, uh, Bobby Bonner. Bobby only played four years of baseball. In those four years, he only played 61 games, had eight RBIs and zero home runs. Again, not very good, not very famous. But the third future star on this one card was a guy who played for 21 years for the Baltimore Orioles. He played over 3,000 games, had over 3,100 hits, 431 home runs, and a ton of RBIs. His name is Cal Ripken Jr. Well, this future stars card was worth over $100 with the picture of all three. Now, can you imagine Jeff Snyder or Bobby Bonner bragging to their friends and saying, my baseball card's worth over $100. What would you do if they did that? You'd laugh at them. You'd say, that card ain't worth $100 because you're on it. It's worth that money because Cal Ripken's on it. It has nothing to do with you being on it. But their card is still worth that much money. They're there. Can I tell you the same is true with us and Jesus in our life? You can brag all you want and try to talk about how good you are, but people are just going to laugh at you. At least I am. Sorry, but, but, but the reality is I know that your life isn't that way because of how good you are. Because of how strong you are, but rather because Jesus is in your life. Amen? The value of your life isn't based off of what you've done, but it's based off of Jesus being in it. Just like that baseball card, if you put Jesus on your card, the value shoots up. We're not the reason for anything good. We're not good enough or strong enough, but when we let Jesus in our life, it changes things. This morning as we get ready to close, I really just want us to stop lying to ourselves. Stop talking about how good we are. You can be saved from your sin this morning. I know I've been telling you all morning that you're not good enough, but I don't want you to start thinking you're not good, you're too bad for Jesus to fix you because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're broken and you need Jesus. Uh, uh, but I want you to stop thinking that you are strong enough for yourself. Paul even says it himself in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take any credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us can boast about it. This morning, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. But Jesus is. And I want to tell you that He's ready to come into your life and strengthen you this morning. And you know you need it. You knew you needed it when you drove here. I don't know what was happening, but, but I'm sure that this morning at some point, you just knew that I'm broken. I need to. Maybe that's why you came here. Because you know that you're not strong. That you're not good, but you're searching for something to give you strength and to give you righteousness. Can I tell you, Jesus can do it. 
He can strengthen you and you can share His righteousness when His blood flows over you. This morning, as we close, if you've never done that, if you've never admitted your brokenness and accepted Jesus' righteousness, would you do that today? After we say a final prayer, if you've never done that and you need to do that, come talk to me. Uh, but maybe this morning you did that a long time ago, but life's been hectic and you've just started to get this idea that, well, I'm a good person. I accepted Jesus a while back. I've been going to church. I, I'm raising my kids right. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Can you stop lying to yourselves now and admit that you're a broken person that makes mistakes and needs help and let Jesus help you? That's my prayer for us this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we love you so much. And I know I'm so thankful that even in my terrible brokenness, and when I say things I'm not supposed to say and do things I'm not supposed to do, that you still can strengthen me and call me righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of your blood. I just pray that you would continue to strengthen me in my weakness because your scriptures tell us in our weakness, your strength is shown. I pray that you continue to strengthen me. You continue to strengthen my brothers and sisters in this room but that you'd let them know that that strength is not from themselves, but that it's from you. That we would be grateful and appreciative of your mercy and your grace and your strength that you give us. You tell us that the same strength that rose Jesus from the grave can live inside of us. Lord, I just want to open all of us up to that today. To just cry out for your strength in our brokenness. Lord, we love you. I pray that you'd keep, uh, keep my brothers and sisters safe and bring us next week. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.